NYPD cop John McClain's plan to reconcile with his estranged wife is thrown for a serious loop when minutes after he arrives at her office Christmas party, the entire building is overtaken by a group of terrorists. With little help from the LAPD, wisecracking McClain sets out to single-handedly rescue the hostages and bring the bad guys down. This episode of Still Holds Up, we're doing Die Hard, the ultimate Christmas movie. Let's get into it. Got me. Still the cowboy, Mr. McLean, Americans all alike. Well, this time John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. It's Gary Cooper, asshole. Enough jokes. You made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans. Oh, yes. What was it you said to me before? Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, baby, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. so good. We were talking about the ultimate Christmas movie. I love it. Yeah. I love I love oh, that yeah. on the tag. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year. It's the best time of year. We're doing a nice series of episodes here on Christmas movies, so why not the best probably, in my opinion? It's the best one, also most controversy, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like 50-50 split, right, people? No, it's, it's actually the last poll that I found, um, 47% said it's not a Christmas movie. Oh, and then 44% said it is a Christmas movie. I don't know what people are watching. Then I we mean, did Then we did the math, and it's like, what? People are undecided? I don't know. My wife's family, like, I feel like, to them, it's not a Christmas movie. And for me, I feel like that's hard to believe, considering you actually gave it a good analogy. You compared it to— um, Home Alone is kids die hard. Yeah. Die hard is an adult Home Alone. I mean, I saw that floating around online. A couple of people call that, so I'm not going to take credit for that. But everybody considers that a Christmas movie— I mean, if you think about Christmas movies, I mean, not to go too deep into this debate, it has great Christmas songs peppered into it. It's happening during Christmas at a Christmas party. And if you want to go even deeper, all Christmas movies about the main character going through a, a story arc where, you know, either they're jaded or they're, they're, they're not connected with their family. And then Christmas brings families back together, their reconciliation with the family. And that is exactly what's happening with John McClane and his wife. That, that's his whole mission. His whole mission is exactly. to save her, save Christmas. It is such a Christmas movie just off of that yeah. fact alone. Yeah. Every Christmas movie is about reconciliation. And this is this that in spades. Yeah, he's, you know, reconciling with a gun in his hand, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the American way. Second Amendment, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So uh, really fast, before we get into the movie, let's talk about uh, what the reviews were back then. So Ebert gave it two stars. Oh, this guy, man, I don't know. He's so, tough. So far, it's not working for me with him. <laughs> All right. So Ebert says he gives it two stars. Die Hard would have been a more than passable thriller. With him, it's a mess. And that's a shame because the film does contain superior special effects. Impressive stunt work and good performances, especially by Rickman as the terrorist. He plays Hans. This guy, that guy's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, here's a suggestion for the thrillmakers. You can't go wrong if all the characters in your movie are at least as intelligent as most of the characters in your audience. See, I feel like this is kind of a smart movie from it the is. beginning to the end. 
That seems pretty harsh. Yeah, and if you really think about it, all the movies, action movies in that era, we're talking about the 80s, right? This is towards the end of the 80s. We're still all, in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, this is like 88, right? In the action movies before then, there really are more straightforward in terms of storyline. You know, whether it's a Rambo or a Chuck Norris vehicle, they're all pretty much straightforward. Come in, save some people, kill a couple of bad guys, move forward. But Die Hard actually had like a plot and a twist in there that, oh, they started at terrorists, but they end up being, it's a bank heist. Right. I mean, no action movie kind of did that in, beforehand with a plot that was so well intricated where it actually showed you the bad guys were one step ahead of the good guys. It, it, you know, they were manipulating the LAPD and the FBI from the jump, and it was all right. for a bank heist. Later on in the 90s, other movies, you know, had more intricate plots, Total Recall, things like that, where, you know, there was a little twist, but this was the first it, it, I can remember yeah, well, in this, the 80s. Yeah, this movie spawned a lot of, like, diehard wannabes and stuff. I kind of wrote some of them down that I could think of. Under Siege, yeah. uh, The Rock, Air Force One, Con Air, yeah. Olympus Has Fallen, is a, uh, that one is probably the closest one out of all of them. Yes. I'm trying to remember a lot of uh, 80s movies that came in before this. Um, Missing to... in Action? <laughs> you, you remember those? Well, I remember them, but I'm trying to remember a movie with the exception of like uh, Rambo First Blood that yeah. tried to twist at your little heartstrings yeah. a little bit throughout. Kind of tell a story. Kind of tell and a story a, that you gave a shit about. Not like... You know, my daughter's been kidnapped. Get the good guitar, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Where it's like, I love you know, Commando. That was your Commando, wasn't it? <laughs> maybe I do. I mean, I could do a good Schwarzenegger. I'm gonna maybe some in later podcasts. I'm not gonna try. But you're so out. right on that. Those movies were pretty straightforward. Yeah, like, save some people, save someone, kill a couple of bad guys, move right. on. Yeah, but these, you know, First Blood told a story and had a message in there. You know, right. a message about the war. Right. Um, and and Die Hard had a little twist in there. So. All the little things that they put in this movie, which we're going to show, just makes you care about the characters a little bit more. And I think they did such a good job doing that throughout. But we're not going to get—I don't think we're going to get too crazy on it. So let's talk about fun facts and really quick before we actually talk about the movie. So the Nakatomi Plaza, that was actually 20th Century Studios uh, headquarters. <laughs> Costume department, they had 17 undershirts in various <laughs> stages— Throughout the movie for Bruce Willis, so as it got dirtier, they, they switched out. Swap them up. They switched out the uh, the shirt. Bruce Willis he received five million dollars to do this movie, and that was kind of, that was a huge deal back then, especially since he was still kind of an unknown because um, he was moonlighting. Doing, he was doing moonlighting. This is and, his first um, action. That was it, I think this was his first action. And, thriller, right? and he wasn't the first one that they were trying to get. So Bruce Willis was actually he was the sixth choice to play John McClane. Wait, you said sixth? Right. So. In 1987, so Bruce Willis uh, was so uh, he was a relatively unknown actor. We just talked about this. He was on Moonlighting, hit comedy. Blind, uh, he, was, he did Blind Date, which actually I really like Blind Date. Who were the five guys? I'm looking for him? it right now. So the other people was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, uh, he doesn't look like a New York cop though. Burt Reynolds. Okay, it's the times. He was popular. Sylvester Stallone, and I feel like if you're gonna say Arnold Schwarzenegger, and like then if you don't get Arnold. You get Sylvester. If you don't yeah. get Sylvester, you try to get Arnold. Those yeah. are like that was like the one-two punch back then. Stallone could have done it because he he did like you know other cop sh movies pretty well, right? Cobra and yeah. Nighthawks. So yeah. he could have done it. He yeah. I don't know if he would have been as wisecracking as as Bruce Willis was though. I don't know. No, I don't think he would have been. Um, next one, Harrison Ford. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That would have been good. Yeah, that would have been cool. I mean, we kind of— He, he could have pulled it off. Well, he, he does, he it does off. pull it off later in Air Force One. Yeah, you're right, right. Get yeah. off my plane. And then uh, last is uh, Richard Gere. Nah. 
No, I've tried. Like, has he done an action movie that? No, I can't think of one. I can't think of. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't I'm, do it. I'm sure people will comment in the you know uh, on that one. So uh, Sam Neill was the first choice to play Hans Gruber. Sam Neill. Nah, I, I, I wouldn't have. I, I'm glad. I mean, these things work out th- for the reason they work out. So I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. No, I think. Uh, Reichman did a great job. Yeah, I don't think. Is yeah, that I, I can't, his I, name? Reichman? Rickman. Rickman. Rickman did a great job. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of anybody else doing it. He did. He nailed that part for sure. Yippie Kaye. Okay, so Yippie Kaye was only meant to be a joke. Really? Yeah. So when anybody says that line, Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, everybody automatically thinks of Die Hard. Of course. Automatically. And so it wasn't even in the script. So Bruce Willis, ever the Joker, uttered the film's famous line originally as a joke to lighten up the crew during filming. Little did he know. The ad-libbed line would not only become a part of the film, it would also go on to be part of film history. And pop culture. Yeah, pop culture, yeah. I mean, things, everybody knows that. Yeah. Let's play the trailer and let's talk about the trailer. You want to know? This is going to be the first time I've ever watched the trailer. So I, I, I didn't want to watch it before we, we really? did this episode. I wanted to see it and watch it like live for the first time. All right. So well, fresh. Here we go. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home, Sue? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. They're as brilliant. Because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants. Think, damn it, think. Is to be a hero. Where's Holly? Hey, Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? John. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. He's inside. Who is he? Who are you then? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, mother. You just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. I got some bad news for you. Come up here, that look like you're in charge of check. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen Disney Squad from anybody down here. Hey, pal, how you feeling? The whole thing beating, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. I want blood. And you have it. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? That was long. That's a long trailer right there. <laughs> but wow. pretty awesome, though. Yeah. Great voiceover. 
plenty of action. It showed you pretty much everything. That does show you everything. A lot of the one-liners are in there. Yeah. That's one of those trailers that I think shows you way too much. Yeah, um, they even revealed, like, the twist that they're, they're out for the $600 million in the vault. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they ruined that part. Yeah. I'm surprised. I feel like it should be, like, a minute long. Yeah. And even then, I feel like it's too much. Minute and a half. Um, let's talk about some of these scenes in the movie. Yeah. So, uh, John McClane, Bruce Willis's character, um, he is now flown into Los Angeles from New York to see his estranged wife. Um, seems like he hasn't seen her in a year. Six months. Six months. Was it six, six months? months? Okay, yeah. She, so, she moved out from New York to Los Angeles to follow her career. And yeah. so, things kind of fell apart in their marriage. And so, he's coming out for Christmas, you know, to hang out with the fam. And yeah. so, he meets her at the holiday Christmas party. He needs to freshen up a little bit. So, this scene takes place... In the bathroom. Yeah. Let's let's just play the scene. We'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Here we go. I missed you. I guess you didn't miss my name, though, huh? Except maybe when you're signing checks. Since when did you start using Ms. Gennaro? It's a Japanese company. They figure a married woman's got You are a married woman, Holly. You're married to no, me. We're going to have this Remember, conversation again. We did this in July. We I never finished a, this conversation in July. I had an opportunity. I had yeah, to take right. it. right. No matter what the consequences, no what? matter what it did to our marriage, it you had to take this opportunity. It didn't do anything to our marriage. It maybe change your idea of what our marriage should be. I think you have a clue as to what my idea of our marriage should be, I know exactly what your idea of our marriage should be. Mr. I know it seems kind of weird to throw this scene into, like, a podcast about an action movie. It's an important scene, though. It's it's important because it sets up the dynamic that him and his wife have right now, where it's, yeah. you know, their marriage is crap. But yet, what he's about to do, regardless of what, where their marriage is at, he's still about to risk his life to basically save her. And every single thing he does in this movie, I never once get the impression that he even gives a shit about <laughs> anybody else in that building. Yeah, but— You know, her. it's really it's really all about her. And she's, like, putting an olive branch out there— you know, the being I miss you, and he puts and his he's foot being a, in. He's like, being a total dude. Yeah, yeah. But that's part of the Christmas lore yeah. of the story, right? He's still being a New Yorker, you know, wise cracking idiot. Yeah. Because like the wife is kind of, and he, I think she invited him to stay at their house instead of go stay with a cop buddy. Yeah, well, it's like they're like his uh, retired chief or something. Like yeah, that. Like retired captain. So she's he like, "Come Pomona. stay here. Yeah. I miss you." And then he, you know, he goes in on about her last name, and it just yeah. sparks the argument that they obviously had six months ago right. on why they're estranged. So it was, it's a great scene, and it also shows that she, you know, is a tough character herself. You know, like, she goes blow for blow with him right there on the spot. You know, yeah. the argument is just your typical husband-wife, hard-headed argument. Yeah. A lot of these scenes we're picking right now kind of build up each character. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming most of the people that actually listen to this podcast have seen the movie. Um, yeah. If you haven't, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. Oh. You need to go see the movie. Throughout the movie, John's trying to basically get the attention of the police department yeah. to kind of come out there. The phone lines are dead because they've cut the lines. Uh, he's pulled the fire alarm, and that didn't work because they called the fire department and said it was a false alarm. He gets on the radio, and he gets on some channel for the police department, and they don't believe him. No. So, But they still send out a black and white just to kind of like, you know, find, the, find out if this guy's telling the truth or not. Sergeant Al Powell, um, when he gets— Carl. Carl. <laughs> Carl Winslow. Yeah. When he gets the, the, the dispatch, when he gets the radio call to actually go to the Nakatomi Plaza, 
ease in like some AMPM or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's grabbing snacks. And he's grabbing his Twinkies. Donut. Yeah, yeah. Donut. No, cop. no, no. But his Twinkies though. <laughs> Twinkies. Twinkies. Yeah. And even even the the clerks give him shit for it. <laughs> he shows up. He goes and he talks to like the the fake security guy watching like, yeah, the yes. game. Yeah, he goes and talks to the fake security guard and he gets the impression that it is a false alarm. The yeah. guy weasels his way out of it. Or yeah, he's like, yeah, go ahead, check. I'm watching the game, kind of situation. Yeah. So Sergeant Al Powell gets into his car and luckily um, John McClane just killed a dude. Yeah. And well, so he happened to have an extra body. He had, he happened to have some. He happened to have something that he could release through a window <laughs> and land perfectly on top of this car. So let's listen. Hey, Lincoln Thirty to dispatch. Eight oh thirty, go ahead. Yeah, that's a wild goose chase over here at Nakatomi Plaza. Everything here is okay. Over. But nobody has any place to go. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. If you ever want to really get the attention of the police, take a dead body, throw it out of a building, <laughs> and make sure it lands on top of a squad car. Oh, yeah. And then, to top it off, make sure you have some terrorists <laughs> shoot at him as he's driving backwards hysterically. He was Losing panicking. his mind. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about life-changing, career-altering, yeah. like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is not for me anymore. No, he's going to leave work. He's going to go directly to, back then, I guess it would have been a Kmart. He's going to buy some new undies because that's going to mess you up. <laughs> and did you notice Argyle yeah. just like rocking out to some music mm-hmm. and all this happening in yeah. behind him and he's like oblivious to it. Yeah, man. He's getting down. That's yeah. what happens when you get a limo back in the 80s. You just, you park that limo and you live in that limo. <laughs> Argyle's a good dude. He's sitting there waiting the for a time. phone call from John to let him know if he needs a place to crash or not. That's that's a, that's a pretty yeah. good friend right there. Yeah, considering you've only known him for like maybe 20 minutes before <laughs> you actually got into the building. So yeah. that guy's down for you for sure. Let's talk about the next scene. So this scene's pretty important because this is the first time that John and uh, Hans have a conversation. And so John's killed a guy, yeah. right? Gets his walkie-talkie. A couple of guys, I think. Uh, at this point, yeah. Because he, uh, he killed a couple dudes. He's killed, yeah, he's killed two or three guys now. Yeah. He's got the detonators. The most important piece. Yeah. So the plan doesn't work without the detonators. So Hans needs to figure that out. So this seems important because it's their first conversation. And we get to hear John say that famous line, yippee ki motherfucker. Here we go. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yeah, that's the line right there. That's the line. When I first heard that line, I probably used that line 
way too much. <laughs> it's a classic scene. I mean, very important, that scene, because it's like Hans is trying to get some info, and he's obviously knows he can't let him know who he is because his wife is right there. And yeah. that, 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 you know, ruins everything. I mean, that seems important because it also sets up their dynamic, cat and mouse, you know, fox and the hound kind of thing. They already knew that John was running around because he gave them a present, which was Carl's dead brother in the yeah. elevator. Yeah. With that message, ho, 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 uh, from Santa. All right. So let's talk about our next scene. Have you ever noticed in most 80s movies and even 90s movies, there's always got to be a scene in an action movie where there's some dude doing coke <laughs> and a quick shot of some boobs. Yeah. It happens all the time. Lethal always weapon. It seems like it always happens. So Ellis is the coke guy who's— He's doing it in Holly's office, not even his own office. Yeah, doing it in Holly's office, and then he's also trying to strut his stuff around John in the beginning, show him the watch. Yeah. Apparently he got Holly it's a, a Rolex. Oh, it's a Rolex. Got Holly a Rolex. And uh, this scene's great because— uh, the actor who plays Ellis, um, his name is Hart Bochner. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. I didn't really do a deep dive on him to kind of figure out what he's done, but uh, he, does, does, an a, job he does a great job playing a douchebag. So yeah. let's go ahead and let's listen to this part. Hey, John, I think you could get with the program a little, huh? The police are here now. It's their problem. Now tell these guys where the detonators are so no one else gets hurt. You know, I'm putting my life on the line for you, pal. Ellis, listen to me very carefully. John, shut up, Ellis. Just shut your mouth. I love the Put amount of reverb on, on yeah. him because he's in an office. Yeah, like it sounds like there's he's in a hallway. Like, why is there so much sure, reverb on his we'll voice? Give us what we want and save your friend's life. You're not part of this equation. It's time you realized that. Hey, what am I, a method actor? Method actor. Hans, this asshole is not my friend. I just met him tonight. I don't know him. Jesus Christ, Ellis, these people are going to kill you. Tell them you don't know me. John, how can you say that after all these years? John. John. (laughs) Drinks that Coke. So, I don't know. You know, maybe you can help explain to me why this scene even happens. So, (laughs) what exactly is Ellis' endgame here? Remember, he was talking with with Holly's like this is just negotiating you know this is what I do you know kind of thing right he was gonna try to get John to give him the detonators and let the people out I think that's what his goal was he was he thought he was gonna be the hero he was but, gonna talk his way out but remember he's also coked up right now so well, yeah okay so he's, he just did a lie before he went in there I get <laughs> yeah. that but what does he think John's gonna do like his obviously he doesn't know John he just met him that yeah. day he's saying these lies to make you know Han think that they have this relationship where John's on the other end kind of going at least I would think he's like thinking why on earth would I come back to you like if I already haven't done that yeah. you know what I mean like, and Hans played him well I mean they they had him relax yeah. they brought him a coke I love the coke you know the guy, the guy poured <laughs> it for him but then he pulls you know? out the gun he's like Hans baby <laughs> what am I put away the gun what am I a method actor <laughs> like, such a great line Oh, he, and he chugs that coke down when he oh, realizes yeah. it's it's over for him. Oh man, I, it, horrible way to go. Yeah, but, Ed, but he he did it to himself. I mean, yeah, I mean the guy was an idiot. Um, yeah. I would say, like, just going back to Ebert's review of this, yeah. if he's talking about any character, it would be that guy right yeah, there. That I guy mean, it would be him. It would be the reporter, the reporter, the captain. Uh, I mean, there's like three guys. But, I mean, every movie's got to have those three, yeah. you know, ultimate, 
I don't even know what what word to use right here. <laughs> douchebags. I, I feel like I've used douchebags too much, but yeah, ultimate douchebags. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the next scene. So this one's another important scene because this is the first time now that John and Hans meet face to face. Face to face. And I think you love this scene. Why don't you explain why you yeah, love this I, scene? I, I love this scene because it's obviously it's the first time they meet face to face, and it's not what you kind of expect for the the main character and the main villain's meeting because right. Hans just switches it up on him with his accent and totally tries to fool him. So let's listen to it and right. see how it goes. Hi there. How you doing? Oh. Please, God. No, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, no. Don't kill me, please. No, please. Don't kill me. Don't kill me, please. Whoa, please, whoa, please, whoa. Please, Relax. Please. Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt you! Oh, God. The fuck are you doing <laughs> up here? What were you looking for? I managed to get out of there. And... Can I just say how much I love Alan Rickman? Oh, he's so good. So good. Like, <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Uh, Harry Potter, Potter. like I mean, dude, awesome. the guy's a legend. But yeah, but you're you're absolutely right. When he loses, when he gets the American accent, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like quick thinking, he's a great villain. Yeah, he's a quick thinking yeah. villain right there. You know, it, it, he, uh, most villains would have probably tried to like pump up his chest and like or try to fight him. He just like using his mind. Let me try to yeah. trick him. But he plays that out for a while. Cause, yeah, because uh, after that scene, like they, I mean. They share a cigarette. They share a cigarette. You know, he kind of tells a little bit, like, more story. I mean, he gives he, a fake name yeah. off the, the directory. Yeah. So Hans yeah. is, he's on it. Yeah. But, and then he gives him a gun, and that's when you realize, yeah. oh, man, John, are you making a mistake right here? And yeah. and obviously he's not. Like, he kind of— Yeah, well, knew. Hans gets a little overzealous and he decides, like, now I'm going to basically just let John know who I am by just getting on my walkie and, yeah. you know, talking. What was it, German? It's got to be German. Yeah, it just starts talking German. Next scene would be the bloody bathroom. Yeah, so, because that leads to after that. That's when the guys yeah, come. He shooting runs, the glass, and that's when they start yeah. shooting them. Shooting the glass because uh, um, Hans sees that John's not wearing any shoes, yeah. and so there's a gunfight that happens afterwards. They're trying to get the detonators, and so he tells uh, my boy Carl, 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 who's the uh, Fabio turned to life <laughs> yeah. of crime, tells Carl to shoot. The glass. Yeah. And so they shoot the glass, and now John's got to run through the glass to get out of there. It's like it's bloody feet. Ends up in the bathroom. He's just dragging blood behind him and stuff. So this is where there's two heart-to-hearts that actually happen in this bathroom. Yeah. Now John's going to find out why Al drives like Stevie Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Why he's a beat cop. Why he's a beat cop. I had an accident. The way you drive, I can see why. What'd you do? Run over your captain. Flip the car. I shot a kid. He was 13 years old. Oh, it was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun look real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. Anyway, I just couldn't bring myself to draw my gun on anybody again. Sorry, man. Hey, man. How could you know? I feel like shit anyway. Yeah, man. So that's a that's a deep scene right there. Oh, for sure. I mean, but it lays 
the path for for later scenes, especially the end, you know? Yeah. That's why he doesn't use a gun, but at the end, he needs to use that gun, you know? Yeah, because— At, at Carl— because Bobby, Fabio doesn't die, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's it ridiculous. <laughs> Hard to kill that guy. Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, um, next scene is uh, it's your pick. Um, it's uh, where we're still in the bloody bathroom. Yeah, like now. So John's done cleaning up, and he has this come to Jesus moment kind of thing where he's like the reconciliation for a hard nosed action hero. The reason I love this scene is, and why I think this is such a Christmas movie, is because this hard-nosed cop is actually going to have, you know, a, 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 a catharsis moment here where he's going to apologize. So yeah. hear it out. I want you to find my wife. Don't ask me how. By then you'll know how. Uh, I want you to tell her something. I want you to tell her that... Um, Told her it took me a while to figure out uh, what a jerk I've been. But, um, that. That when things started to pan out for her, I should have been more supportive. And, uh, I just should have been behind her more. Tell her that um, that she is the best thing that ever happened to a bum like go. me. That's it. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's that guardian angel moment, and it's a wonderful life. You kind of realize you you messed up, and that that that's groundbreaking for a hard for an action movie and a hard nosed NYPD cop. You know, to well, admit he's sorry and he's wrong. Well, I mean, it also shows why he's doing all the things that he's doing. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, the last time that we saw him with his wife, they were fighting over, you know, her following her career and going to Los Angeles and their marriage falling apart because of it. And then all this crap happens in the building. And yeah. now you you have this moment where it's like, yeah, I might have had that fight with my wife, but shit, I, I love her more than anything. I'm going to go you know, to hell. I'm going to go to hell and back, you know, to save her. And if that's not the definition of Christmas, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's family, uh, it's, it's yeah. all of that. Yeah, lo- lo- love one another. Great scene. Yeah, great scene. Um, and Bruce Willis nails it. And that scene also just adds to every single thing else that happens after that. When yeah. the giant fight with Carl, Carl. the uh, yeah. the never ending, the everlasting Energizer Bunny, yes. <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. One thing that's great about this movie is John McClane's personality yeah. and his one-liners and stuff. And I did read um, one of the things that he did to prepare for this movie is he, you know, he talked to a lot of cops and stuff like that. And he found that every cop that he talked to, even the cops that were on set, they all had a sense of humor like this. And so he took this sense of humor and put this in the movie because of all the cops that he was hanging out with. And so throughout the movie, he has all these one-liners. Yeah, wise and cracks. John McClane's fighting Carl, the everlasting bunny, you know, Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> Fabio turned to crime. And I love this. I'm just going to play a small clip, but I, listen to what he says right here. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fucking cook you. I'm going to fucking eat you. Where, where did all that come from? Amazing. It's amazing. He's got, I mean, 
I just thought that scene's great. All right, so next one, um, it's you again. Yeah. So now this is towards the end of the movie. He's on the roof now, and he's trying to clear the, the hostages off. Right. But he's doing that. Hans is about to blow the roof, and he has, you know, the two Johnsons in the helicopter shooting at him. Johnson and Johnson? Johnson and Johnson. Great scene here. And, and his ingenuity comes into play with the fire hose. By the way, by the way, uh, IMDb, guess yeah. what Johnson and Johnson's names are? What, are? what are their their first names? Big John and Little John. Oh, my goodness. I got to take on those guys later on. Gotta yeah, we're going gonna to go through all these guys <laughs> one time. Sorry. So... This is kind of a long scene. You got the setting? Yep. Set it up. All right, here we go. Get down! Get down! Get the fuck down! They made us, Bureau. You got a terrorist shooting now hostage. I see it. left. Now that sucker! right there Woo. wow that's a lot of action right there oh yeah i mean a lot of action he's so dangling yeah. he shoots the glass yeah you know and now the 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 hose is pulling him down and he's like trying to untie it while he's being dragged you know feet all cut up it's an amazing scene and that look he gives when he finally gets that hose off like he breathes like like that sigh of like oh my goodness yeah. i was almost dead off of a freaking fire hose right right um, every movie has a, a WTF moment. Yeah. Um, we're going to call that a, a WTF moment when he jumps off with the fire hose <laughs> and then doesn't get blown off the building. Yeah. The rest of this movie, it falls into place kind of how you'd want it to. Um, and he saves the day, kills the bad guy, saves the hostages, saves the wife. They yeah. come down from the building, little hug out. And you then, find out that it was more than a terrorist act. It was a, basically a, a, a bank heist. Yeah. What was it? Six hundred million dollars they were stealing in um, unmarked, un- bar- unmarked bear bonds. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Good for, good for them. All good, right. Good twist. Let's not forget who gets the last kill though is um, Carl. Yeah, Carl Winslow, who hasn't used his gun since killing the poor thirteen-year-old kid. Right. Yeah. And Carl comes out, and Carl Winslow ends Carl. Yeah, Carl Winslow kills Carl. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, let's bring up a couple key guys. So, like, John McClane, let me tell you right now, this guy can make anything seem cool. 
with his one-liners and his cigarette breaks, it makes me, you know, man. His street smarts is through the roof, too. I mean, in all the Die Hard movies, he's very, you know, uh, creative and uh, and he's almost like a MacGyver. Yeah. But he makes funny. things work. It's funny you talk about the other Die Hard movies. So really fast, let's let's jump over to, to Holly Gennaro McLean. Yeah. Um, the gall in this girl, I feel, I feel like I'm going to use this <laughs> word properly. The fact that John saves her from a ter- from terrorists, yeah, dangling off of the side of a building, you know, yep. like you know, being pulled off from the side of a building. Then it seems like what two years later, it's Die Hard two, and yeah. he saves her again from you know from a plane that's running out of fuel, yeah, that she's about to blow up. But they're not together in Die Hard three. Somehow no. she's. I mean, at this point, I feel like she should be following him around everywhere, yeah, because this dude's going to do anything he can do to save her life. She should feel snuggly, warm, cuddle. I mean, the Nothing. fights they must be having behind the scenes oh, epic. must be epic oh, for yeah. her to basically go, no, 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 yeah. we're not going to be together. And, and if you remember, at the end of, of Vengeance, he's supposed to make the phone call to her, calls her, and then he realizes, you know, the Nova Scotia on the pills, and he just leaves her hanging. Yeah, but he can— And but, that's the end. You know, no, that's no, over. No, 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 he over. goes back and calls her again. Oh, he does at he the does. end. Yeah, you're right. But they're when not, the together, they're not together in four— so obviously no. that conversation didn't go well. Yeah, the four is the daughter. Anyways, all right. So uh, Hans Gruber, uh, that's Alan Rickman. Excellent job. I would say he's got to be, he has to win the award for the best bad guy to ever hold more than 30 hostages. Because, <laughs> man, he does a, a stellar job. Stellar job. Um, I don't know if we're handing out awards yet. Um, any takes on anything else before we uh, go into like most randomish stuff? Well, you know, when we're recording this, Theo passed away just yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. he and we, we we had some interesting takes on Theo. I mean, he was uh, running point. Clarence uh Gilliard yeah. Jr. Yeah, yeah, just passed away yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I remember him from Walker, Texas Texas Rangers. My dad loved that show with uh Chuck Norris. Um and he was great in this. He's he's great in a lot of things, you know. Yeah. And he was really good in this movie. Like you said, he's the hacker. Well, you run run it run down all his job oh, yeah. titles. Well, okay, so we're doing if we're doing awards, let's just jump to awards and if we're doing okay. awards. Okay, so he's got he's gotta be the um oh there's a road. Okay, so for this movie he's gotta be best goon. So he's a computer hacker, hmm. he breaks into safes, he can run point on a military defense of wow. an actual building, which yeah. is pretty awesome, and he's running surveillance. Let's also not forget that he's the one who managed to hide an ambulance in the back of a semi truck <laughs> that nobody else could see in the beginning of the movie, but That's then he pops right. it out at the end of the movie. That's right. That's their getaway. That's their getaway. Genius. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, he yeah, did a Th- lot. Theo is Theo is a goon of the year. All right. So my next award, it's got to go to my next award's got to go to the biggest slime bag, which would be Ellis. Oh. That dude doing coke. In in somebody else's office. Somebody else's office, you know, trying to brag about getting a watch for some girl that's not, you know, you don't have a chance for it. Yeah. And then this guy somehow, as messed up as he is, thinks he can save the day by pretending to be John McClane's best friend. Yeah. And talk him to bring in the detonators. It Got made no so sense. Killed. He deserved to die. Yeah. And no one's going to miss Ellis. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh, other nominees really fast. Thornburg? Um, Thorn- <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk. Let Thornburg was um, the reporter. Uh, yeah, the reporter. It's a slime bag reporter, you know, basically, and he does whatever he can to get a story. Doesn't care who he throws under the bus, including calling uh, social services or yeah. calling, um, 
INS. Yeah, or, or yeah, or calling or calling INS. Yeah. They threatened they threatened the nanny. Yeah. How are you gonna mess with the nanny? Yeah. Um and then, you know, for uh Mr. Takagi. Oh, what do you come have for on. Mr. Takagi? Dude, Mr. Takagi, dude, just it's not an award. It's just a simple, just give him the code, man. Yeah. If you think you can't get in with your one code, give him the code. What yeah. are you thinking? Man, that made no sense. That scene made no sense. Like if you think you're never gonna break in, they're just gonna change. They just give them the code. Yeah, just give them the code. Just give them the code. Hey, yeah. that doesn't hurt. It yeah. hurt you. He lost his life for that. What an idiot. Yeah, total idiot. Um, other than that, you know, best. Uh, I would say best blind date partner will have to go to Sergeant <laughs> Al Powell. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, it was a good wingman. It was, uh, yeah. It is. I guess it, I don't want to call it a buddy movie, but it was a long distance buddy movie. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I have Holly Gennaro McLean for New York Ice in Her Veins Nerve of Steel Award. I mean, just like a good New York woman, she holds her own with uh, fighting with John, and um, she. I mean, she didn't flinch. When she's dealing with Hans at any point, yeah, um, they shoot Ellis. Everybody else is panicking. She's okay. I can handle that. That's because she's from New York. She's from New York, and then and then when when Hans finds out that he's the wife, she's the wife. They're shooting again, and she, again. He comes out like a lunatic to yeah. go get her. He's like he's like sliding, yeah, sliding on the tile, <laughs> shooting the machine gun in the air. And she's just, she's, again, stoic. Yeah. Nothing's phasing her. Yeah. And, of course, let's not forget that right cross. She gives Thornburg at the end on live TV. You know, everybody's watching, and she doesn't give a damn. Yeah. She just cold cocks him. Yeah. I mean, she was great character. She gets a restraining order for that. We'll find <laughs> out in the second movie. All right. Let's uh, let's jump into uh, where I'm going to rank this movie. So I'm Oh, what about random? You, you, you skipped random and hot takes. I, I actually already said my. I actually already said my random, which is eighties and nineties. Uh, naked chick okay. with coke. I, I had stupid thing with the hat. I, I don't know why Johnson, old Johnson, was in the chopper and his hat was backwards. What the hell is that? Because he was from Saigon, dude. <laughs> from Saigon. L- listen to this clip. Listen to this clip. It's funny you mentioned. Listen to this yeah. clip. Dickhead. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> so, hat backwards. I was, just like Saigon. I was it, a junior high, dickhead. That leads me so to good. my hot take. I think Johnson & Johnson, FBI agents, would have been a funny 80s spinoff buddy movie that would have snuck in before the 90s style movies rolled around. Yeah. You could have gotten that in. And it would have worked. That would have been a great buddy movie. I would watch that. I mean, I it would have been hilarious. I think if they make that movie today, if they make the, if they make Die Hard today, that's a spinoff show that's going to HBO Max. <laughs> Johnson and, and, and I would watch that for sure. Those um, two, what a character! Those two were just so weird. All right, if we're doing hot takes, um, here's my hot take on this movie. This movie is 100% a Christmas film. All right, yeah. um, it's all about an estranged husband trying to save his wife on Christmas Eve from a group of German terrorists who end up actually just being bank robbers. Yeah. He's the only one who can save his wife and the group of innocent people uh, in the Nakatomi Plaza. So that's a Christmas movie. And I don't care what anybody says. This is always being played in December for me. Same here. I mean, the the music, it's, it's again, we talked about it before. Yeah. The Christmas music is peppered throughout 
well peppered in the movie. Yep. It's happening at a Christmas party. You know, the reconciliation with the family. Yeah. It's the perfect Christmas movie. It is adult Home Alone. And ho- Home Alone is Kids Die Hard. I love that take. Again, I'm not going to take credit for that. I saw that one online, and I was like, yes, Home Alone is Kids Die Hard. All right, all right. All right, so I'm going to rank this movie really fast as far as all the other Die Hard movies. This one, obviously, is number one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not because it's just the, fir- it's the first movie, but it's the more, how do I say, down-to-earth out of the other Die Hard movies. Each yeah. Die Hard movie, I feel, uh, kind of falls under that Friday the 13th issue mm. where each movie has to be more and more ridiculous in order to make sense. So like in Friday the 13th, you know, Jason Voorhees just becomes uh, like supernatural. Like yeah. he just becomes like unstoppable. Yeah. And that's kind of what John McClane becomes in these other movies. Yeah. Um, but this one's the most grounded out of all of them. It's like one dude and he like, you even see that in the first time he's confronted when he's isolated, he has a chance to save Mr. Dukagi. Um, yeah. And there's like, there's three dudes in there. And I feel like John McClane in, in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance would have just busted in there and yeah. just shot the three of those dudes. Die Hard, uh, what is it, Live Free or Die Hard? Is, that the, is that the fourth one? He yeah. He drove a car yeah. <laughs> into the third story of the building <laughs> and then somehow shot it up to him and then killed them all in the room. Yeah. Now, do you think that's because of the times, how, how action movies became even more... Um, I just think that's how all movies are. All movies, yeah, right? I feel like all action movies have to somehow one-up the other movie. And that just means yeah. more explosions, more fight scenes, more ridiculous stuff. Taking a helicopter out with a taxi cab. You could look at any franchise. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you can look at any uh, action franchise yeah. from the beginning to the end, and they all just get crazier and crazier. I'm sure there's exceptions, yeah. but for the most part, that's just kind of how I feel about them. So that's why I feel like this is the number one. As far as like... Uh, it's also the slowest out of all of them as well. I mean, if you like, I love Die Hard with a Vengeance just because it's basically just nonstop action. Oh yeah, it's and you know you you put Samuel you put Samuel L. Jackson in a car with Bruce Willis, Ugh, man, gold. I would watch every movie. Yeah, that they do together. Now, uh, full disclosure, I haven't seen like that last one. I think they're in Russia with his son or something. That's the worst out of all of them. I haven't seen that it's one. It's terrible. There's if you talk about a bunch of WTF moments, that movie is. Filled with it. Oh. And that's, I remember seeing that with a buddy of mine, uh, Brian, and we saw it uh, like the weekend it came out, the week it came out. Yeah. And we both left that movie going, what did we just watch? And we actually both saw Live Free or Die Hard when it came out. I like that And we that loved one. that one. Yeah, but like then when we saw the next one, it was, it was a huge disappointment. So anyways, yeah. Now, first first yeah. Die Hard movie is number one for me. For me, I, I, I really enjoyed Die Hard. Um, I love this one. But being from New York, I have to go with Vengeance as my personal yeah. favorite by a slim margin. You mentioned it, Samuel Jackson, the heist that they're hey, trying to pull off. Vengeance is a good movie. It and, is. and it's actually the true sequel to the first movie because it's got Hans Gruber's brother, brother in, it. in yeah. there. Yeah. It, 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 executing a great I know great the guy. Height. I know the family. And I love that straight killer chick who doesn't talk and just slices people up. Yeah. Um, the whole New York vibe of the movie is great. I'm just joking. That's still number two for me. Die Hard is is good, um, and it's definitely the top five action movie for me. This original one, I love Vengeance. I mean, it was I was going back and forth on it. Um, I gave you all the great reasons why Vengeance could be. Vengeance is great. It really is good. I, I like, I but like I gotta Vengeance. go with the original still. Yeah. I mean, after all, all said and that, and that's why it's my favorite Christmas movie. 
it's um it's again one we're gonna be doing top five lists episodes this i already tell you right now it's gonna be in my top five action movies i just i just love this movie i can see that yeah and, and vengeance is so close it's so close and it's so tempting to say vengeance is better yeah i, I will say that uh, you know when we did batman and i when we when we actually when i sat there and did batman and i sat there and took like notes and really paid attention to that movie yeah there's so many things that i picked up on it that i'm i'm super shocked i didn't notice before oh um, and that just bumped that up for me. Just like, yeah. you know, it just gave me more clarification, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. It just gave me more clarification that that is, the, that is my favorite Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel that if we did the same thing with Vengeance, that could change our minds. Yeah. Vengeance um, was so well done. It's good. It really is good. It, it's, it's, it's right there. Now, I, I gotta say, I gotta watch the second one again. I haven't watched that in maybe, Wow. Maybe 15, 20 years almost. I mean, the second one's good, but the second one's also a rinse and repeat of this one. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously. A little it, reveal. It, yeah, it's the same. It, it has some twists in it that yeah. you don't see coming. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's. Just a plane now. Yeah. Um, or airport. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a full airport. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah, final thoughts. Does it still hold up? 100% yes. Uh, from the one-liners to the action in this movie. Um this movie helps set up what becomes a formula, a standard formula for a lot of other movies when it comes to, you know, it produced a lot of copycats, which we kind of talked about already. Under Siege, The Rock, Air Force One, Con Air, Olympus Has Fallen. Those movies might not get made if Die Hard doesn't, you know, yeah. blow up the way it does. Yeah. And there were other movies that had kind of done a formula like that, which, you know, Rambo was is one movie that I can think of. Yeah. Die Hard, Bruce Willis is a cop, but, you know, not trained for a situation like that. And that you kind of see that in like Air Force One. You see that in The Rock. You see that in Con Air. Well, Con Air may not be an exception because he was Nick like a Marine. Nick Cage is a badass. Yeah, he was a Marine. Yeah. Too. I mean, but I mean, it's kind of like that underdog kind of thing where it's like me against the world, Fox and the Hound, you know, cats versus mice, whatever analogy you want to throw in there. And it did it so well that it definitely spawned a lot of copycats. Yeah, I totally, 100% holds up. I to- totally agree. And it, again, it's a great Christmas classic. The way they pepper the Christmas music in there, from Run DMC to 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 traditional Christmas music, the everything is on par. Even the crazy stuff that's happening in holiday party, those stuff still happens. It's like it's very relatable movie. It it has a good pace. It's an enjoyable watch, and it's it's it, and it's deeper than you think with the reconciliation with his family. Yeah. It's it's an action movie with meaning. Yeah, action movie with meaning, a good twist, stands the test of time. It stands the test of time. All right, you know what? I think that's going to do it for this episode of uh, It Still Holds Up. Thanks for listening. There you go. Shoot the class. Thanks for listening to this episode of Still Holds Up, a Rot Your Brain podcast. Subscribe to the Still Holds Up podcast feed at rotyourbrainmedia.com slash still holds up. Follow us on Twitter at rot underscore your brain and support Rot Your Brain Media and its podcast by being a part of this exciting new and growing community. Visit patreon.com slash rotyourbrainmedia.com.